Hey, everybody. Welcome to the back room. I'm Andy Ostroy. Well, it happened. <laughs> it happened. What happened, Jen? Why is Jen laughing? Because <laughs> I thought your head was going to explode. It did yesterday. My head exploded yesterday. There was a lot of explosions yesterday, which we won't get into. But it happened. It finally happened. Donald J. Trump, the 45th president of the United States of America, finally indicted. I like to pat myself on the back a little bit. I've been guaranteeing that for the last, I don't know how many months. But actually, I had nothing to do with it, though. It's incredibly exciting. But one thing that just sort of jumped out at me that's new is that both the right and the left seem to be losing their minds. Republicans like Pence, uh, Lindsey Graham, they're still, they are still coming out and just fanatically supporting this guy, defending him, attacking Alvin Bragg, Manhattan DA, who, whose grand jury handed up the indictment. But more disturbing, because that's predictable, more disturbing is what I'm seeing from the, the left, which is all the, this is, this is a sad day for America. Is it really a sad day for America? I don't think so. Because to me, it was a sad day for America when Donald Trump descended that escalator, announced his candidacy, and proceeded to spew vile, racist rants about Mexicans. It was a sad day when he told the world that he sexually abused women because he could, because he's famous. You can grab him by the pussy and they'll let you. It was a sad day when he attacked the Pope and he attacked Gold Star families and he mocked a disabled reporter. That was a sad day. It was a sad day when there were people with COVID parked off the coast of California who needed treatment and he didn't want to let him back in the country. Why? Because it would ruin his numbers. That was a sad day. Maybe it was a sad day when little immigrant children were in a cage. I thought that was a sad day. It was a sad day when he gave a blowjob to Putin on stage in Helsinki and said he had a love affair with Kim Jong-un and did nothing when Khashoggi was butchered by Saudi Arabia and MBS. Those were sad days. It was also a sad day when he, uh, when he won the election in 2016. It was a sad day when he lost the election in 2020, but claimed he won in a landslide. It was a sad day when he refused to concede, when he refused to take part in a peaceful transition of power, when he incited a deadly insurrection. January 6th, that was a sad day for America. It was a sad day when he held up a baseball bat and pretended he was going to smash Alvin Bragg's skull in. These are sad days. That was yesterday was not a sad day. Yesterday was a day to celebrate. It was a great day for America. What do you guys think? I, you know, first off, was he indicted or was he indicated? He was indicated. And you're referring, of course, to his Truth Social post. And uh, you saw how he fucking freaked out being indicated. Imagine what he's going to do when he finds out he's actually, he's actually indicted. indicted. I don't know. I mean, yes, bootleg. Well, you know, it's appropriate that Truth Social, which is bootleg Twitter, should be slightly different. Don't you? I mean, there must be some kind of ironclad thing that prevents him from tweeting because he spews his bullshit to like nine people on Truth Social when he has like 85 million on Twitter. I, maybe he's trying to get the value up. Last night, Truth Social went up 14% in value. So, you know, there's that. So people think that he's going to be more valuable there. But should we circle back to whether it's a sad day or not? Sure. Because how could it be a sad day when there's finally like a modicum of accountability? Yes, exactly. How is this possible? I just, I don't know. Well, because it's, it's Democrats are doing what Democrats do. They're trying to impress the Republicans. We're not going to... We're not going to gloat, you know. The fact that a, a Charles Manson is being brought to, to, to justice, that the rule of law is being upheld, that doesn't matter. What matters is we have to pretend that we are above it all. We are above the fray. We don't get down in the mud and, and gloat about a man being indicted. Well, what if that man is responsible for the death of hundreds of thousands of people because of his failed, miserably failed COVID policies? What if that man is a sociopath who gives, doesn't give a shit about anybody but himself? What, about, what if that man is a, is a monster who is hell-bent on and came close to destroying our democracy and is trying to do it again? Why is it a sad day when that man is brought to justice? Jen, you're 100% right. But that's the reason, in my opinion. It's just Democrats point. being Democrats. That's what I they do. And worse than that, they're they're acting like, oh, well, this isn't the case that he should have been indicted for. 
or indicated for, <laughs> which, which I was like, why is this not the case? But Bragg, I read yesterday, has brought more than 100 cases for business fraud in the short time that he's been DA. This isn't unusual. Business yeah. fraud is business fraud. Look, if I go through town at 100 miles an hour and then I crash and run over a, an old woman and then run into a store and hold it up, when I, when I get caught, they're not going to go, all right, look, let's let them slide on the traffic violation. The old woman, she was going to die in anyway <laughs> soon. The store robbery, all right. I mean, it's not the best store in town, but still it's not his place to go in and take their money. So let's, let's focus on that one. It's like, who else in this world? I mean, this whole notion of like, we, you know, we're either like no, no man is above the law or, or he is, right? Whether you break 15 and see, this is Trump's fucking genius. This is the essence. What you just said is the essence of his genius, which is if I do a lot of shit, I can get away with it. Yeah. And it's worked incredibly well his entire life. Yeah. So, I mean, this is the first indicated indictment that he's going to suffer from because it looks like there's at least six more, five or six more coming. Yeah, so. no, it, look, it, 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 that's the other thing, too, is all this this pseudo-intellectual analyzing of, is this the right case to bring? Is this the right one to do? Yeah. Well, why not? And who's supposed to decide that? Like the Manhattan DA is supposed to communicate with George and like, oh, let me let you go first. I mean, what is that? It, it's it's in, it's it's just maddening. And, and, and shouldn't the porn star really be the case that brings him down? I mean, I yes. think it's perfect. Yes. yes. The, the fact that tr Trump got fucked by a woman years ago Absolutely. and is getting fucked by a woman now is is delicious. Absolutely. It's absolutely delish. Sometimes we're not on the same page we are today. Yeah. <laughs> well, what the hell was that about? <laughs> Excuse me, folks. Jen and I need to discuss things. Jen, what's going on? What is, is something we need to later. talk about? Also, this <laughs> isn't unprecedented. Uh, Rick Perry was indicted before he ran for election in 2016. He was indicted in 2014. And then he announced that he was going to run in 2015. He was still under multiple indictments. And then they weren't dismissed in the end until early 2016. So we've had indicted people run for president before, and we've had people run for president that were in jail back in 1920. Eugene Debs ran for president as a socialist, and he actually had a button made, which I love, which said prisoner 9653. He had buttons, which I yeah, I will say that Trump has already got shirts for sale for $47 about his indictment. So. Yeah, he was out grifting like, the minute he got indicted. He was already emailing and saying, send me money. And, yep. and, and getting back to the Republicans, who are just shameless in their defense of it, even I, what I don't understand, maybe I'm just naive. Maybe there's something wrong with me that I go through life looking for the logic where there is no logic. That I, I'm an oasis of sanity in a, in, a, in a sea of insanity. You have Ron DeSantis, who Trump fucking hates, right? Who mocks him, attacks him, calls him names. What does DeSantis do yesterday? A guy who's contemplating running for president. I still don't think he's going to run. Um, <laughs> Sorry. He's like, it's terrible what is happening to Donald Trump. And, you know, it's like, blah, blah, blah. And I'm not going to extradite him. And like, unbelievable. This was, well, it was also funny because he actually made that announcement about five minutes after Trump's lawyers said that they would be turning himself into the Manhattan. Yeah, it was a shameless ploy to appeal to the magazine. Well, yes, but it was actually a win-win for DeSantis yeah, because, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it was because, number one, if Trump even thought about staying in Florida, now he was never going to stay in Florida because now DeSantis would be perceived as protecting him and he hates DeSantis. Yeah, but it, it's not a good look for DeSantis to be bitch slapped by Trump and then, and then bend over and protect Trump. He, he can't bend get over. the nomination unless he gets Trump's base somehow convinced. But he's never going to get it. Never. I, I, I don't ever, disagree. Ever, 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 which is why but, he's not going to. Okay, let's talk about the bad side of this. So then you have then you have uh, McCarthy, right? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. What, what well, you no, I just can say let's talk about the bad side. The bad side is I do think this helps Trump in the end get the nomination, not win the election, but I think it helps him get the nomination. Uh, agree. I mean, the incremental value. I mean, where's the incremental value? Who 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 is sitting in the middle as an independent or a moderate Republican going, you know that guy I hated because he's so fucking corrupt and he's a traitor? Well, now they in indicted him and actually like him. But they're they not sitting in, if they hate him, they're not sitting in the middle. They hate him. It's the people that so are in who, the middle. So who's, who's jumping on the, the people, Trump train? The people who come out to the primaries are the people who are going to be ridiculously energized. But he's got like, them already. Not, but, but no, they, they some of them are But they still have to come out and vote. 
And now, you know, they're they're dragging him through the mud. This is politically motivated. And, it's a witch you know, hunt. It's a witch hunt. And, and it's a Soros <laughs> DA. A Soros DA. What Soros could be worse? Backed. Soros backed. That's DeSantis, DeSantis says Soros backed because he's slightly more careful with his words. But some of them just say, like, Soros DA. <laughs> Jude so, Jay. so you, so that, and then you have McCarthy, Speaker of the House, who me, immediately comes out and, and and licks Trump's balls. Lindsey Graham, I don't know if y'all saw Lindsey Graham on Sean Hannity, and he was like, "I do declare my friend Donald Trump." You remember Donald Trump, uh, the one I said would destroy the party if he got nominated and became president. That Donald Trump, the same Donald Trump who gave out my phone number publicly, so all the mad, the bad, bad people. The bad man, the big, strong, bad man could call me and threaten me. Uh, he's my friend, and he needs help. And you have to send him money. Can you please send him money and tell your friends to send him money? And if y'all don't have friends, please go out and make friends. I mean, my God, get me a fucking puke bucket. This guy, literally, he was almost in tears. He, in tears. This is a guy who said Trump would destroy the party. And guess what? Lindsey was right. He destroyed the party. But he's still out there licking his balls. But this is why Trump is helped by the indictment, because you have every Republican, absolutely everyone. Just last week, you had Lindsey Graham saying that the Waco rally was a bad thing. Now you have him licking his balls, as you just said. And there isn't a single Republican. I mean, I suppose Mitt Romney may say something supportive of this, but I haven't heard him say anything. And he's not relevant anyway. But there isn't a single Republican they're suddenly completely unified behind Trump. And that wasn't the case a week ago. I, I really think I need to take, take my hand, grab a, 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 a batch of hair in the back of my head and slam my head into a wall, <laughs> face, face first, because I think the pain of that will distract me <laughs> from my lack of understanding of why they're doing what you just said. Why, after everything they know, twice impeached, indicted, awful, cost them, like, why, I don't, I, I still have yet to meet or talk to anyone who can logically explain to me why the entire Republican Party imploded, just, just committed right. suicide, willingly destroyed itself for the worst human being on earth who gives them nothing, is absolutely disloyal. There's like zero return on investment with Donald Trump. I, I don't think we can put our fingers on the exact date that this happened, but something happened in the country probably prior to Trump getting elected. And I would refer to it as complete epistemic collapse. We've lost all logic. And there's just, you know, there's a huge number of people who think that the war in Ukraine isn't even real or that Q is real or any of these things. So you can't really fit those together in a logical framework. I, yeah, I mean, obviously, but it just it still makes zero sense. Meanwhile, the Republicans who are, you know, rallying around him right now, you know, they're going to be crying as it gets closer to 2024 in the actual election, because I I, I mean, I don't want to. But they're it, like but drug I, addicts. I, I don't think that, you know, he's definitely won't be the strongest candidate, right? Because of the reasons that you articulated, the middle isn't going to come out for him. Well, what happened yesterday? Well, there's always this 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 philosophy that the crazies get you the nomination, yep. but you cannot win in the general if you were nominated it's, by the it's crazies. It's not just a philosophy, it's what's happened yeah. over and over again. So that is what amped up yesterday. That that reality just got way more of a reality because in terms of actually winning a presidency again, Whatever little chance he had just li literally was flushed down the toilet yesterday. And, and yesterday is just the beginning. I think there's going to be more indictments. The flip side of that is the front end, which is, to your point, Jen, before, and Maddie, what you were saying also is like, you know, the crazies, some of the crazies or the idle crazies might get off the couch now. So there'll be a little bit of an incremental bump to him, but it... it it's worse for him. It's worse for the party. Mm -hmm. it, it, is make, it makes no sense. I don't think it's worse for him to get the nomination. I think that you have to look at what is his platform. And I think his platform is civil war. And this plays right to that platform. 
he will be the person that they will support more and stronger than ever before. Because if you believe that we have to have a civil war, uh, this is perfect, feeds right into it. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I, I just have my position in the last two years since J6 is that, that we're not going to have a civil war in this country. There's, I, I'm not most, saying of the, most of the MAGA crazies ain't giving up their Sunday football games and their potato chips and their, their F-150s for this fucker. There might be, but there might be one or two or 10 people or 50 people who can do some bad shit. Doesn't mean that we're going to have a civil war or a hot civil war, but it does mean that that's what he is activating. And he's disinhibiting a lot of people to think that this is the way we're going to go. And they're going to vote for him because he's the, yeah, the party that... It, it helps him with, with his rhetoric. But the reality is, if you look, where is Trump today? Given everything, all the bullshit he has spewed since November of 2020, where is he today? He's a, he's a, he's a fat fucking loser in Mar-a-Lago whining like an infant about his how he's such a fucking victim. He's lost everything he's tried to win in the last several years. He's twice impeached. Now he's indicted. He's probably going to get more indicted. It hasn't gone well for him. Everything okay? you just said is true, except for the fact that his poll numbers are up quite a bit, actually, recently, and DeSantis's are not going up, and everyone else who's in the process of nomination aren't even out of the single digits. Right, but I guess my point is, if he's, you know, taking a break from the hieroglyphic writing on his cell wall, he's not going to stop and go, hey, this is all cool because my poll numbers were up. Oh, yes, he nothing, will. <laughs> nothing, he, nothing, maybe you're right, nothing he's wanted has come through. He's destroyed his life, his kids, I mean, did you see Junior? Junior, this is like Paul Pot. First of all, ask him who the fuck is Paul Pot. He probably has no idea who Paul Pot would be blushing. Yeah, Paul Pot would be (laughs) blushing. He killed two million people, but being indicted for a business crime and be (laughs) blushing about that. Yeah, I'd love to ask him what country Paul Pot was from. He doesn't Um, even know what they're freaking out. Ivanka's freaking. They're all freaking out because he should have just fucking stayed in the in the corner office at Trump Tower. Getting away with his bullshit, cooking his books like a million business people do, and being fat and happy, okay? But there's uh, a big difference between being indicted and being convicted. Yep. That's true. And our next guest is going to talk about that. Yes. Uh, well done, <laughs> sir. Well done. Tag team. Uh, he's, not on, he's not coming on yet, but he will be here shortly. <laughs> Ellie Honig, former prosecutor and uh, chief senior legal analyst of CNN is going to dissect and unpack a lot of this stuff with us. But yeah, I, look, it, 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 the only thing I will give you that Trump wins out of this is the, the furtherance of his rhetoric that he's a victim, that he's persecuted, that it's unfair, it's a witch hunt, blah, 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 blah. But it's the, it's the same. It's like going to see Leonard Skinner and they play Freebird. You know what I mean? You know what's coming. It's great. You sing along. You know the words. But, you know, it's the same old song. Yeah, but he's got the support of Cat Turd, too, on Twitter. <laughs> I saw that. I don't know. And then Wacko, like, I mean, the guy has lost his mind. It doesn't Man. seem to matter. His poll numbers are going up. And he, it's, every guest we've had on who's a political analyst has said it's for him to lose. Like, he's basically going to get the nomination. He's got it locked up. Well, I am one who says never say never or let's wait and see or a year is a long time in politics, blah, blah, blah. And I still believe that. The, the thing that is surprising is that, like, you know, Bragg announced that the grand jury was going to rest for a month. Was gonna, there was going to be a delay. Everybody went nuts, myself included. I mean, everyone went crazy. And then boom, the next day. So we don't know. We don't even know what's in these indictments. There could be... Weisselberg could have flipped. This could be attached to the Trump broad case, which the company was convicted on. This could have something to do with Karen McDougal, who also was a, yeah. a mistress. It could have had, it could be something we have nothing, we have, we don't know. That's the thing that, that is so, I was going to say infuriating, but it's actually kind of comical that the Republicans, Republicans are like, we have no idea what's in this indictment. We have, we have not seen one shred of evidence. We don't know what the counts are. We know nothing. We're in the absolute dark, but we know it's unjust. If we lived in a logical world, that makes complete sense. However, and CNN is reporting that there's apparently as many as 30 counts in this indictment. 
Um, yes, but it, it but, will but it, not matter what it doesn't matter if they're indicting him for running over a child and killing them with a handgun. It, nothing matters. Right. Well, nothing. It would be better if it was a handgun. But interestingly, <laughs> the 30 counts literally could be like if they sent 25 checks to Stormy Daniels, each check is a count legally. Yes. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So they said that the, the checks were divided, right? Yeah. So it, it could be, I mean, 34 counts sounds impressive, yes. but it literally could just be, you know. But the one thing I will say uh, before we move on is that I would venture to guess that this is about federal crimes and not a misdemeanor, that Alvin Bragg did not wait a year after Pomerantz and the, as his fellow prosecutor quit angrily. Like, he's got a case that he's now ready to bring, and it ain't over jaywalking, in my opinion. So we're going we're gonna to find that out. And he's coming in Tuesday, apparently, and, you know, I'll be outside the courthouse. <laughs> you guys should come. It'll be a pot, eh? Downtown Manhattan, yo. Could interview some Trump supporters. Uh, I plan to. You, you can get ready for your CPAC. Yes, we, we're going to go to CPAC. All right, so what are we going to do here? We're going to go talk very, just very quickly about mass shootings. We don't want to lose sight of the fact that there was another mass shooting and kids died and three adults died and uh, everybody's talking about thoughts and prayers again. And I'm going to actually do a rant on that in a minute, but just wanted to acknowledge that that is still a very big problem in this country and it's unconscionable that kids are still dying and Republicans are still saying it's this is not the time to talk about gun reform. And so here we are again, week after week after week, more gun violence. Unbelievable. This gets back to epistemic collapse. There's there's no logic to any of this. There's Nothing's going to be done about it. And we have an entire party who won't address it at all. And they're obviously far more concerned about LGBTQ kitty litter boxes and everything else. And they have absolutely no interest in addressing anything that could help because they're just culture wars and anything that matters. They're not doing anything. Look at what the congressional committees are talking about. You have Lauren Boebert talking about public urination in Washington, D.C. I mean, it, it has it, it's crazy talk. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of people get killed of a public urination in America. So I, I understand the, the focus, you know, that and drag shows. I mean, we got to stop the drag shows and the public urinating because that's yeah. killing how many kids is that killing? Oh, right. None. Not only that, I mean, children must be going to school terrified that there'd be a drag show. <laughs> I mean, we're joking, but I, sometimes you have to laugh because it's, the absurdity is just overwhelming. And then you just walk, you know, I mean, as I have four kids. I, I, I couldn't fathom being a parent today the way I was back in the 80s and the 90s, sending my kids to school and worrying if I wasn't going to see them again. You know. All right, let's get to our winners and losers. Go. My loser, Americans. After another mass shooting, Republicans expand access to guns. Hmm. Healthcare is a winner this week. North Carolina governor signed a bill expanding Medicaid for low-income people days after the measure cleared a Republican-controlled le legislature. My winner this week is the Texas Observer and a big win for local journalism because the GoFundMe raised more than $300,000 to save the newspaper and all the jobs that went with it. So that I give a big win to local journalism. My loser is Ron DeSantis, and not for the reasons that most people are thinking, because of his takeover of Disney's Reedy Creek Improvement District. It was upended when they discovered that Disney had stripped the district of all its power just days before DeSantis cronies took over. And they put in a great royal provision that said that they will remain in power for 21 years after the death of the last survivor of the descendants of King Charles III. And he just had grandchildren, so that puts it at about a century of Disney control. My winner, Alvin Bragg, uh, not for indicting Trump, but for his one-month delay announcement, which was the best prosecutorial fake-out ever. My loser, all the disgusting homophobic Republicans who are focusing on the fact that the Nashville shooter was trans. So that brings me to my rant. I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. In fact, I believe organized religion is the cause of history's worst violence and persecution. That said, I have no problem with those who do believe. And, get, and they get extra points, of course, if they actually practice what they preach. So while religion is not for me, I accept that it is for many others. But I draw the line at thoughts and prayers. The bullshit mantra spewed after every horrific mass shooting by hypocritical pro-lifers and people of faith. Let's be clear. Thoughts and prayers do not work. They don't save lives, and they certainly don't save young school children 
from having their bloodied insides splayed all over their classroom floors. Gun violence has risen to epidemic proportions. 130 mass shootings so far this year alone. This week, three children and three staffers were murdered at the Covenant School in Nashville, Tennessee. The leading cause now of children's death in this country is not cancer or car accidents. It's gun violence. 3,600 kids died by gunfire last year. Yet death by guns ranks no higher than fifth in other industrialized nations. Pro-lifers are fanatically obsessed with the lives of the unborn child, but they give zero fucks about the millions of terrified living children who every day go to school traumatized by the prospect of being hunted down and blown to pieces by a maniac with an AR-15. Gun violence is raging out of control, but the answer is not more guns or more good guys with guns, as we've learned by watching hundreds of Uvalde cops do nothing for 45 minutes as 19 children and two adults were massacred. What's desperately needed is more regulation, more laws, and accountability. This includes assault rifle and high-capacity magazine bans, expanded background checks, raising the purchase age to 21, longer waiting periods, enacting red flag and safe storage laws, holding gun makers accountable, making parents liable, and increased mental health resources. So, with all due respect, fuck thoughts and prayers. It's time for serious legislation, not God. All right, that brings us to our guest, Ellie Honig. He's an attorney and CNN senior legal analyst and the best-selling author of Hatchet Man and the just-released Untouchable, How Powerful People Get Away With It. He's a former assistant United States attorney for the Southern District of New York. Honig also hosts podcasts and writes for Cafe and Fox Media. Ellie, welcome into the back room. Uh, hey, Andy, I don't, I don't know that we really have that much to talk about today. I know, I was going to so, ask you, did anything you know. happen? I was sort of offline yesterday, and I, 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 it seems like, uh, I don't know, people are kind of talking about something, but I have no idea what it is. It, it was wild, and I will say, I was on uh, Anderson Cooper's show the night before, when the news had come out that nothing's going to really happen until the end of April, the grand right. jury's on vacation. And I said, I'm proud to say, I'll brag for a second. Mm -hmm. I said on air, I said, understand how easy it is for that to change. I snapped my fingers. I said, mm -hmm. all the prosecutor has to do is decide I'm going to go put it in for a vote. And so it really could happen with 10 minutes of notice. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what went down yesterday. And it was wild. Isn't it um, amazing? Isn't it amazing that after the fact it, it all makes sense. It's like, of course he said nothing's going to happen for a month because they were voting tomorrow and it was going to happen tomorrow. Like it just right. Well, the, you know, the nothing's going to happen. For, yeah, it, there's been an interesting back and forth sort of in the media here and what the DA is putting out and what Trump is putting out. But I will give the DA this much credit. Boy, did they take everyone by surprise. Media, certainly Donald sure. Trump. And, you know, that's you don't want to forecast these, although the DAO's office also has sort of forecast a lot of what they've done. And there's a lot of leaks coming out of what's happening. And it's great for us in the public and it's great for transparency and it's good for the media. And I think the, the important thing to the point you just made is that I think yesterday's announcement has really taught everyone that we don't know anything. We have no idea when things are going to get announced. We have no idea what's what's in any of the, the indictments. We have no idea how many counts, what they're for, what the evidence is, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it really, it was a very swift and efficient way to teach everyone, uh, although it's hard when you're running a 24-7 news channel and you've got to talk, it's like no, nobody knows. The, the hypothesizing and the conjecturing is... It's just in the yeah. end of the day, it's I just mean, an awful waste of time. It, there, there's a lot about this case that we don't know. There's a lot about any case that we don't know, any investigation. I mean, you know, I look, we do have very reliable reporting and there are indicators at times. You can say based on this, you know, you can you can draw conclusions. You can draw reasonable conclusions from what is known. But you're right. And I think we need to keep in mind as we move forward. We haven't seen the indictment yet. We'll see that within a few days mm -hmm. uh, by Tuesday, which will be the arraignment on on Tuesday, probably, which is the arraignment. There's a lot we're not going to know about the evidence in this case. There will be all sorts of spin happening both ways. Mm -hmm. Only really the prosecutor ultimately knows what the evidence is. But there are, you know, we know Michael Cohen will be an important witness. Mm -hmm. We know what the attacks will be on him. So, yes, it, it, it is a healthy lesson in humility to remind ourselves that this is a process. It's meant to play out uh, a certain way and it takes a while. And so let's let's be mindful of what what we what we do know what we can reasonably draw 
conclusions from and what we just don't know. Yeah. And look, I'm guilty of all of this. I mean, I was looking at my list of questions for you that before the announcement and like most Democrats who were ready to throw themselves off the roof after the one month delay announcement, my questions were going to be like, <laughs> what's going on? Is, is this Why a change this in the momentum? Uh, yeah. you know, is he getting away with it again? Blah, blah, blah. And it's easy to go to that place, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think a lot of people were wondering that on, on both sides of the aisle. And, you know, there may even be some truth to some of the speculation. You know, we were at, we were being asked, why is this taking longer than expected? We said maybe Alvin Bragg wants to think about it a little more. Maybe mm -hmm. he's trying to put in more witnesses, which ended up, yes, being the... So, yeah, I mean, look, you know, let's... let's tr I, I always try to bind myself to what the known facts are, the reliably reported facts, combined with my own experience mm -hmm. as to how these things work. Well, speaking of your experience, you were at Southern District. You were a prosecutor there. Uh, you you know the, the insides of how these kinds of processes and investigations work. What is the, yeah. you know, it, it, it's things are moving so quickly. Like I, I just saw something that flashed about... 30 count, criminal counts, but there's still, yep. we don't know yet what that even means. DeSantis has said he's not going to support any kind of extradition efforts. Like, what happens next in terms of reality? Is he just, is everybody yep. getting hysterical? And the fact is, he's just going to get out of an SUV, walk in, you know, uh, get his fingerprints yeah, done. Maybe not even that much. So, first of all, this whole notion that Ron DeSantis is going to block extradition from Florida to New York is nonsense. Mm -hmm. I mean, does it? I just can try it. It sounds like Trump's going to surrender. But even if Trump said, I'm not going to surrender and DeSantis said, I'm not going to give him up, that would go nowhere as a legal matter. The Constitution precludes that. Federal statute, federal case law all make clear that that's not going to fly. So at most, this would be a political stunt and delay tactic. Uh, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Well, well, you know, what's what's interesting about this, Andy, is it's historic and it's unprecedented, but it's also just the case. It's state of New York, people in the state of New York, be Donald J. Trump. And so to the extent possible, I think the authorities will try to treat this like any other case. So Tuesday is is reported to be the day that Trump will surrender. He will come up here to Manhattan, where I am now, 3.1 miles from the building where I sit now from CNN headquarters, um, into the state courthouse. We are. It's important people understand. We are in a, the state-level system here, New York mm -hmm. state laws. This is not the feds, not DOJ, not my former office of Southern District of New York. That's mm -hmm. all federal. This is the Manhattan DA. I should say I know the DA, Alvin Bragg. We were colleagues at the Southern District. We're friends. Okay. Um, Trump will be arraigned, meaning, well, what happens before he gets arraigned? He will be fingerprinted. He, and it's not, they don't use the ink and roll anymore. They just, you put your hand <laughs> ink on the screen. Ink and roll. Right. It. He will be mugshotted. He mm -hmm. will be photographed. Now, under New York law, Mugshots are not supposed to be public unless there's some need, unless the guy's a fugitive or something. So that mugshot should not come out, but we shall see. And then a lot of people are asking, will he be handcuffed? Normally, a person would be at least briefly handcuffed during the processing. Mm -hmm. Here, though, remember, Donald Trump is a Secret Service protectee. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure the Secret Service will request. It's not super safe to have your request, your protectee handcuffed. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think... I imagine that all parties will be reasonable and say, we don't need to handcuff him. He's not going to punch anyone or run away. Um, and also, like I said, I think Secret Service would be well justified in saying, mm -hmm. we can't have a, 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 our protectee restraint, physically restrained. That's contrary to everything the Secret Service does. Um, he will then be arraigned. He will appear in court. I don't think he'll be perp walked, by the way. I don't. I don't. I think they'll they'll get him in. There's all sorts of underground tunnels and and garages. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're going to parade him in front of the cameras. He'll be arraigned. The judge will advise. Will read the indictment to him. Advise him of the counts. Uh, Trump will enter his plea, which will be not guilty. The judge will uh, make sure Trump has a lawyer, which of course he will. And the judge will then set bail, which is very likely to be what we call ROR, released on own recognizance, meaning you're released, uh, just come back for your next date. No, you don't have to post mm -hmm. properties or, or cash and certainly won't be locked up pending trial. And then we're off. And then we're into the whole trial process, um, which will take quite a while to work itself out. Mm -hmm. Now, what you explained is very logical. It's rooted in fact and historical context and all that. But this is Trump we're talking about. So the person <laughs> who's probably going to leak his mugshot is him. The person who's probably going to want to ask for to be handcuffed is him because it it feeds the grift yeah. like you know if you look at what his campaign i mean he he, he it was asking for money literally like minutes after he was in, indicted so it's, it's interesting yeah. yeah 
Well, so th there is an element of showmanship here, and it's not bad advice to anyone, uh, whether you're a defendant or prosecutor, to just act like you're fine. I mean, we used to, as prosecutors, it was a it was a thing that we were taught that never sh never let them see you sweat. If something bad happens at trial, just act like cool. That's fine. That's what we wanted. Mm -hmm. That's clearly always been part of Trump's approach. Act like you're winning, and in some ways, he's in line with a lot of sort of self help guru types. So he does, you know, I I doubt in his heart of hearts he's pleased that he's been indicted and right. nobody wants to be mugshotted and handcuffed. You know, there, there's an element of theatricality at, at play here, to be sure. I will say Trump certainly is fundraising, but I've gotten several emails because I'm on these blast email lists. I mean, there were Democratic Congress people uh, who, were, who were fundraising as well as mm -hmm. Republicans real within minutes mm -hmm. of this coming down. Oh, Donald Trump has finally met justice. Donate to me. So, you know, it, I mean, look, but but you know, there's a political question about whether this will ultimately help Trump or hurt him. I'm not really the political guy, but I guess my take on that would be, on the one hand, it does need to be galvanizing quite a bit of support. You've seen a lot of leading Republicans take, all of them that I've seen have taken to the airwaves and said this is prosecutorial overreach without even seeing the indictment, to mm -hmm. your first point. I do wonder whether there comes a point where Republican voters will say, even if they like him, they'll just say, why do we want someone with this much baggage with mm -hmm. these many potential complications um if that peels away five ten percent of his support mm -hmm. then that could be significant yeah i've heard talk i've heard the ta term talking indictment what is that mm. yeah so i we used to call it speaking indictment maybe slightly different terminology um there's two kinds of indictments and the indictment is the, just the document that lays out the charges there is the what we call the bare bones indictment, which basically just has the exact language of the law. So on or about whatever day, the defendant, Donald J. Trump, did knowingly, willfully, blah, 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 blah. Um, just basically like if you were reading it right out of the statute book. There is something called a speaking indictment or talking indictment, which is what it sounds like. It's a narrative indictment that lays out detail that will describe like you're reading a news article or a book, you know, a little more formal, mm -hmm. um, exactly how they pulled this crime off. Um, typically in the state, they don't do speaking indictments. They do much more bare bones indictments. However, I'm sure that the DA is aware that um, of the, the level of uh, media focus here. And I think they're going to want to lay out their case in a way that's convincing to the media. So if I had to guess, I would guess uh, and we are explicitly guessing here that that we'll see some some level of detail in that indictment. Mm -hmm. And what do you think his? Well, two questions. What do you? It, it seems that because of the delay from a year ago, with Pomerantz and the other guy got pissed off and quit, and Alvin Bragg yeah. was allegedly, you know, saying, "I didn't. We we don't have enough now. Now he has enough." Right. But what do you think? What do you think this indictment uh, is about? And then I mm -hmm. want to ask you, what do you think his defense is going to be so it based on the reliable reporting and based on the witnesses who've gone into the grand jury it looks like this is focused on the hush money payments to stormy daniels and maybe to karen mcdougall as well on the federal um, on a federal the, level on a like federal crime level well but these are state charges i so, mean uh, so uh, you're, you're, uh not a misdemeanor a, a federal felony. A, fel a felony right that's the word i was looking. yes sorry so let me let me let, yeah exactly so you're you're right on it so let me just say, first of all, this is not the cleanest legal theory, and the evidence is not a slam. Never listen to anyone, by the way, who says any evidence is a slam dunk, right? There's always a very smart defense lawyer on the other side, and right. prosecutors always have to carry the burden beyond a reasonable doubt. You know, if jurors believe a prosecutor's case probably is true, or 80%, that's not enough. You're not going to convict. What would the state crimes potentially be here? Falsification of a business record. And the reporting is that Trump's team, the organization, classified the hush money payments as legal fees. Paying hush money is not a crime. Mm -hmm. Knowing about paying hush money is not a crime. The New York state crime here would be if they falsely log these payments internally as legal fees. That is a misdemeanor. That's lower than a felony, means one year is the max. Nobody goes to prison on that kind of misdemeanor. And he's not bringing However, this, he's not bringing this, uh, the, he's not indicting Trump over that, it, it logically. It, I said, I think I said last night on air, if all this is is misdemeanors, it is a, a, a disgrace and an embarrassment. There, there may well be some misdemeanor counts in the mm -hmm. 34 counts, as we reported. But yeah, I, I would be stunned, jaw on the floor, if it's all misdemeanors. Mm -hmm. That would be ludicrous. Right. Um, the way that they can bump that 
falsification of business records up to a felony, what we call a class E felony, meaning the lowest level. A class A is the highest level. Class mm -hmm. E is the lowest level, but still a felony, is if you can show that the falsification was done in connection to some other crime. Mm -hmm. There's some other crime here. Maybe there's some tax angle that we'll see. But the one that looks like they may go with is uh, campaign finance violation, arguing that this expenditure, $130,000, was actually intended to protect Trump in the election. Mm -hmm. It was far in excess of the amounts that are allowed, and therefore it's an illegal campaign contribution mm -hmm. or, or donation or expenditure. The problem with that is we're in state court here enforcing state law, but the election is a federal election, really governed by federal election laws. So there will be a legal challenge on that um, if that's the nature of the charge. Um, you know, the evidence here looks like Michael Cohen's going to be a central witness. They have documents, they have checks, they have ledgers. But the key question is not just did Trump know about the hush money, but did he know about the way they booked it, that they falsely booked it? You know, Michael Cohen has made seemingly uh, obviously a full break from Trump. He's been for the most part accurate and reliable in what he said since then. But boy, does he have a record of lying. He's right. been convicted of perjury, financial fraud, mm -hmm. tax fraud. He has previously said publicly and under oath that the, what Donald Trump did with these hush money payments was not at all campaign related and not at all illegal. That was when he was Trump's guy. He hates Trump. He hates Trump more than any other person I've ever seen hate any other person. <laughs> and whether that's justified or not, that's going to be fair game for cross-examination. And the defense lawyers are going to argue, you hate this guy. Right. Your life's goal is to take him down. You wrote a book called Revenge. But would, um, would Bragg put all his, his credibility? Would Bragg put all his eggs in Cohen's basket and not have any other corroborating no. witnesses like Pecker or no. other people who, who could? I mean, it, it again, logic would dictate, and of course mm -hmm. we know nothing, but it, given that this is being also played out in the court of public opinion the way it is and it has such consequences related to a presidential election, et cetera, et cetera, and dividing the country, you would think Bragg has a fuckload of stuff. We, The way Alvin and I were both trained at the Southern District of New York, you would never bring a case solely based on the word of the uncorroborated word of a of a person like Michael Cohen. We bring right. cases all the time based on testimony from horror, people way worse than Michael Cohen who've done way worse things. I don't know if they have the same credibility issues mm -hmm. as Michael Cohen. The question will be how strongly is he corroborated? You know, he has been doing a media tour, by the way, a horrible idea. Uh, if I was the prosecutor, I don't know how the prosecutor is allowing Michael to continue doing this. But he has said, well, I'm, I'm corroborated by checks and ledgers and emails. But the question is, is it corroboration that's sort of tangential, that shows things that aren't really disputed that the payment was made? Mm -hmm. Or do they go to the heart of the legal matter, which is, did Trump know the way these things were booked? Like, if there's a memo, see, Trump's not a memo writer, right. he's not a texter. But if there's some document that shows Trump said to log it, falsely log it as an attorney fee, that's gold. But I don't know that they have that so it, what about weisselberg like is it possible yeah. weisselberg flipped and somehow this is not just connected to the hush money but it also is now going to be connected to the trump or case i don't really think so i know that became a hot twitter theme for a few minutes mm -hmm. um i've not seen any indication of that i've not seen any reliable reporting of that i don't believe he testified in the grand jury i i i, I see nothing to substantiate that at this point mm-hmm and so b back to the legal arguments that, that Trump's defense team might make. I mean, obviously, there's the jurisdiction issue, which we've heard them spew. There's statute of limitations that came up. John Edwards, eh, John Edwards did this, blah, blah, blah. The fact that you just said Cohen hates Trump and is not a great witness. Do you think any of, thing, any of those things have legs legally or? Um, yeah, or I mean, one? yes, there, there are real defenses here. Mm -hmm. um, start off with the legal defense. As I just said, which will be for the judge, not the jury, about the federal state campaign mm -hmm. fraud. They will argue that the business records law actually does not support this kind of charge because in most business records cases, virtually all here in New York, it involves somebody falsifying a business record and then going and committing a financial fraud, faking up an earnings sheet, going in, getting a fake lo a loan, you know, stealing money from a bank through a loan that way, or stealing money from investors or stealing money from customers. And so there's a question of, is there an intent to defraud somebody? They will attack Michael Cohen's credibility. They will argue statute of limitations. And there's some, they will argue selective prosecution that he's been chosen, singled out unfairly for political reasons. They'll use quotes from Alvin Bragg's campaign. Um, 
I wouldn't just sort of roll my eyes at all of these. Mm-hmm. There, there are some substantial defenses here, but the most the most substantial defense is always the burden of proof. You just argue, you know, people have said, well, Speaker Pelosi, former Speaker Pelosi tweeted something about, well, Trump will have a chance to prove his innocence. That's not the way it works. You have a presumption of innocence. And if the, if the right. prosecutors cannot prove your guilt unanimously beyond a reasonable doubt, you're not get, you're, you're not going to get convicted. So Trump does have substantial defenses here. And I would urge people to not just go, oh, he's just throwing everything against the wall and seeing what sticks. I mean, that's what our system is. Defend, right. Defendants defend themselves vigorously. Right. Um, that's well, let's, beyond let's a, re- let beyond a reasonable doubt is pretty specific. Yeah. And, you know, again, this isn't a baseball game where if you win 10 to 2, that's that's a complete you know demolition. You need 12 zero here. Right now. Look. We're in Manhattan, which is very blue. Mm-hmm. I think I, I'll have to look this up, but I think only like 15 percent of Manhattan voted for Donald Trump in 2020. So he's very unpopular here. So the jury pool will probably be stacked against him. But you get one Trump voter on that juror mm-hmm. jury. Not that, you know, jurors will be told this isn't based on who you like. This is based on the facts and the evidence. But jurors are human beings. You got to get all 12. It's never easy. Mm. And. So I know this is a loaded question, but given what you know, given what you sense, your experience, if we if Bragg is bringing an indictment based on what we think he has, is it a case that you think can hold up? Yes, it can hold up. I mean, you know, there is such thing as saying this will be a close call. Everyone seems to, you know, everyone sort of wants to go strong case, weak case. There is also such thing as medium cases. right? Right. And I think based on what I can tell, this is that you have a cooperator with some with serious baggage in Michael Cohen, but that happens and it's not necessarily fatal. It's sound, you know, they have some, they have substantial documentary evidence, but again, it may go to the important context, but not necessarily the central point. And the defense has defenses. So this strikes my instinct kicking in, you know, prosecutors get pretty good instincts. It's not a slam dunk. It's not a hopeless case. It's it's a tr- what we call a triable case where mm-hmm. both sides will have a fighting chance. To mm-hmm. And given Trump's propensity to uh, post on Truth Social and speak out, which can be uh, incriminating at times, uh, yeah. how muzzled do you think he's going to be now? And if he's not muzzled, which no one seems to be able to ever muzzle Trump, how much of an impact? can that have and will have on this case? I'm sure his lawyers are begging him to muzzle himself, but as a lawyer, all you can do is advise. Not anything he says can and will be used against him in court. Now, it has to be relevant to the case. You know, his his just his ravings and rantings against the the, the DA and prosecutors and, and the cops, which are completely not just not just inaccurate and unwarranted, but but they're dangerous. That's probably not going to be admitted admitted in court against him mm-hmm. on a hush money case. But he, he is known to slip up and say things that are incriminating publicly. I mean, it's all fair game for prosecutors. So why would you give them anything right. to work with? It, it, same, same as I was just saying, Michael Cohen needs to shut it for, for prosecutors' purposes. Donald Trump, for his own purposes, would be well advised to go silent. Well, the other night, I don't know if you watched this uh, interview with Sean Hannity. Hannity was like Hard. practically begging him to just like, Donald, I'm trying to help you here. Like you would never take documents, right? Because you know it's wrong. And <laughs> Trump could not help himself. He literally was basically saying, like, "No, I could and I would, and because they're mine." Like if he does something it, like it's that, a good is example. It, it's a good example of where I think in the documents case, Trump's statements will be relevant right. and admissible. The, the fact that he's acknowledged knowing that documents were there. I mean, that could be an issue at trial. Mm-hmm. I mean, he could have. Theoretically, his defense lawyer could have said, folks, he didn't even know that. How's he going to know? Mar-a-Lago is huge. There's stuff stuffed in storage closets. Mm-hmm. What is he supposed to keep track of all the mop handles, too? Mm-hmm. But Trump's public statements have made very clear that he knew they were there. So that cuts off a potential line of defense. How, if at all, does this indictment affect Georgia, Jack Smith, any of those cases? Technically, legally, not at all. They're all free to indict. I suspect Georgia will indict fairly soon as well. Um you know, there's a political and, and, and again, sort of atmospheric angle to it, which is it's not optimal. If I, I was the in charge of all prosecutors in the world and remember, they're all separate. They don't report to each other. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't you know, they can coordinate if they want to, but they've chosen. It, it seems in this case not to do so, I think probably for strategic reasons, because then they would be accused of a mass conspiracy. 
But this is the least serious of the charges. I think we can agree, even putting aside whatever the strength of the evidence, the hush money payoffs and whatever cover up went with them is vastly less serious than January 6th and an attempt to steal an election. Uh, and I, I would argue less serious than classified documents. And so, you know, you do leave it open to more credible criticisms that we're seeing certainly from Republicans, but also there's some some moderates who are like, really? But you can't say that when it comes to January 6th. You may argue it's not a crime, but you can't mm -hmm. argue it's not serious. Right. Or you may argue, someone may argue the evidence isn't great. Who knows? We'll see. But this does lend itself much more to the roll of the eyes than mm -hmm. January 6th would. But ultimately, all, the, all of these cases are, the decisions will be made independently and the law stand on their own merits. Well, Ellie, I know you're a busy guy. You got a lot to talk about today. Uh, we'll let you go, but I appreciate you coming on, especially at short notice. And uh, we'll look forward to the next time you're back. Awesome. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Take care. That's episode 57. If you like what you've been hearing, and even if you don't, let us know. We appreciate the feedback. You can leave us a message at 845-307-7446. Email us at backroomandy at gmail.com or tweet to me at Andy Ostroy. And when you listen, please take a quick moment to rate and review. It's very helpful. I want to thank my co-producer, engineer, and editor, Maddie Rosenberg, associate producer, Jan Hamoud, Cricket Langell for our artwork, Andy Hollander for our kick-ass music, Patricia Wynn and the Epicurean for the Backroom Studio, and a big thank you again to our guest, Ellie Honig. So keep your eyes on Washington, Hollywood, and your own backyards, and we hope you'll join us again next time. Have a great week. <laughs>